Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Season 2, Episode 17. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing, based here in Nashville, Tennessee. Our sponsor for This Week in Voice, as well as the Voice First Roundtable, is Voice XP, St. Louis-based developer of voice applications, such as Alexa Skills and Google Home Actions. If you're looking for a company to help hold your hand, guide you through the creation of an Alexa skill or Google Home action for your company, for your organization, or just for you personally, you need to reach out to Bob Stolzberg, Mark Tucker, Bonnie Snyder, the Voice XP crew. They are a preferred Amazon developer. Amazon has identified Voice XP as one of just a very select few companies that that is a preferred developer of Alexa skills and voice XP has just gone through a very high profile uh, accelerator for their company that they have just come out of and they've gotten a lot of business from some top brands CenturyLink TiVo uh, some others so stop what you're doing go to the browser type in www.voicexp.com check them out you'll be glad that you did We are thrilled to have a fantastic panel this week of truly international flavor folks from all over the world. Adva, thank you for joining us. You are founder of Pretzel Labs. Take a minute and tell us what Pretzel Labs is. Pretzel Labs is um, a company that is based on designing voice-based experiences, mostly for kids and families. Um, we have several games going on. Uh, the most famous one was Kids Court. That is um, an Alexa-based judge that settles kids' fights in a really fun way. And um, we try to do experiences that are very emotion-based. So we want to make people feel um, different things by talking to our skills. Very cool. And Amazon just featured you in a really well-written developer blog, which I'm going to link to when we publish the final show notes for this episode. What was that process like? How, how, what attention that has that brought to you? Share with us how that came about. Well, there has been quite a lot of buzz um, since Kids Court won the Kids, Kids Skills competition run by Amazon. Alexa reached out to interview me for that blog post. Um, it was actually really fun. They asked such good questions and it was really good to also help me figure out the focus for what we're doing because not only do stuff, but think about why you're doing them and what works well and whatnot. Yeah, that blog post has generated a lot of buzz and I've got um, a lot of people talk to me after and really grateful for this opportunity. Very cool. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Our next guest is Florian Holland. Florian, say hello. Hello, Bradley. Florian here. Pleased to be here on your show. Thank you for joining us. So you're a product manager at Jovo. So tell us what you do for them. We are a corporate company that has two branches. One branch is um, developing a JavaScript framework or Node.js framework to um, develop voice apps with. Our main value proposition is the fact that you can use the framework to build one backend to service both um, Alexa, app, um, uh, Alexa skills and actions on Google. 
Um, but this is not the only thing that it's uh, nice about our framework. Is it also has some um, very nice features that make the developer experience um, somewhat better and take some of the load um, off you. And um, it's also very community-driven. We have a lot of very um, vivid and um, brilliant um, developer community. And this is um, the one branch. The other branch is that we are also doing some agency work. Um, this is not our focus. Um, we um, do it for some customers to like um, eat our own dog food um, to get our um, own uh, experience with um, working for our own framework. This is more the branch of Jovo that I'm working in um, as a product manager. But of course, um, this also feeds back into the uh, framework. Thank you for walking us through that. And thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me again. Our next guest is Ryan McKenna of Voices. Ryan, say hello. Hey, Bradley, how's it going? Thanks for having me on the podcast. Sure, thank you for joining us. So, Ryan, share with us a little bit about Voices, what you do as director of marketing, and also you were just at Voicon. Talk to us a little bit about your experience with that, too. Yeah, sure. So, uh, I'm the director of marketing here at Voices, and we're a voice AI platform that makes it really easy for companies to spin up their own native voice experiences that live uh, in an app experience, mobile web, as well as desktop, kind of meeting the consumer where they already are. Uh, so, we're super excited about kind of being able to have the Alexa for everyone else impact on the B2B and B2C brands. So, as mar- director of marketing, uh, my big focus is obviously educating the market on on voice and, and kind of what we do and, and the impact voice will have on the consumer experience, both in marketing and then from a brand perspective. And uh, yeah, it's been great. Uh, and that's obviously been able to allow me to speak at events like VoiceCon uh, that happened, I believe it was two days ago now. And that was amazing to see uh, hundreds of people really intently listening on what their brand should be able to think about and focus on when it comes to voice, not only from a smart speaker voice assistant perspective, but also in the audio space much more broadly with podcasting. Ryan, after VoiceCon was over, I saw a tweet. You know, I was watching the hashtag pretty closely. I saw a tweet from a woman who owns a pizza parlor in New York City who apparently attended VoiceCon by all appearances. I think the picture was with Gary and just thanking him for introducing her to voice technology and all of the possibilities. And, you know, I explored in an earlier episode some of the um, frustrations I think that people had with VoiceCon, but the fact of the matter is that what Gary Vaynerchuk brings to the table, there's just new audiences that he and only he pretty uniquely can open up to voice. So I thought that was fantastic. I thought that was really cool. I don't know if you saw the picture I was talking about on Twitter, but nevertheless, I thought that was worth mentioning. Yeah, I did see the picture. I, I just think that there were a lot of people. Uh, I was actually surprised how many people in the room, I'd say about half, had already built a skill or action already. And um, yeah, I, I agree that, you know, probably it was a lot of it was, was his brand that, you know, got a lot of people there. But I do think that it's great for the space in general to be able to get people excited about uh, how to think about voice and just understanding that building a skill uh, by itself might not be everything that your strategy should include. Maybe that includes something on the native front, like what we do, but just kind of understanding your consumer and, and that voice is something that they want to interact with and that technology exists today and how they can best use that to their advantage. Yeah, absolutely. I thought the, the conference appeared like it went well. It was cool to see cool to see you up there. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. With that, we will get to the news. 
And it's an interesting assortment of stories this week. The very first one is the VoiceBot.ai story of the week. VoiceBot.ai, giving voice to a revolution. Great website for news, commentary, original research on all things voice. Google Home beats Amazon Echo in quarter one 2018 smart speaker shipments. Adva, I'm going to start with you. What was your take on seeing an article like this? In your mind, are, are Google and Amazon equals in this playing field? Is Amazon still a little bit ahead? What was your take as you looked at this article? Um, it was actually really interesting to see that data. I think Amazon is probably leading the game in the U.S., but Google is maybe going ahead worldwide. In part, this is because Google is supporting a lot more languages. I think they have eight and they are going to launch, they're going to support 30 languages by the end of the year is what they said. And if you look you know, outside of the U.S., a lot of people need to be able to converse in their own languages, which is something Amazon is uh, quite behind. But it looks like in the U.S., I think Amazon is probably leading the market. And um, I think as a developer, it's really interesting to you know, follow this closely and see which, like, I'm currently only developing for Alexa, mostly because of monetization issues. But if Google is getting so far ahead, this is something to consider for all developers. Um, yes, I also found that very interesting, kind of um, counterintuitive. Um, I would have expected Amazon um, to still be in the lead on that. If you look at it um, from a global perspective, it uh, does kind of uh, make sense. In, in the um, voicebot.ai articles, there were some um, reasons noted um, that were my like, business-related that in some of the countries um, where uh, that are not Germany, US, England, um, the reason might be that um, the retailers favor the Google um, home devices because um, Amazon is not a competitor of theirs. I think this is Part of the reason, but I think the main reason, as Adva um, uh, already mentioned, has to do with the language. Preparing um, for this um, podcast, I looked up, up uh, at a map of the world and that um, how many people do actually speak English in um, all those um, countries. And actually, um, the percentage of people speaking English, even in uh, um, countries like um, India, where um, uh, we will be getting to India um, soon, um, but the percentage of, of um, people actually speaking English and this um, being um, customers that can work uh, with the uh, Alexa devices is actually really low. Um, so um, if you imagine um, your family and your native language is not English um, and um, you, you um, have the choice of getting a, a, a device um, by Amazon, um, that works really well, has um, great um, skills, um, but you can only um, use it in, in your, uh, not in your native um, language, but in the lingua franca, um, or get the Google device, um, which uh, might uh, does support um, your language, um, then um, I think it's an obvious choice, especially since smart speakers are such a family thing to have. Yeah, I actually thought it made a lot of sense just given, um, you know, just kind of India as the catalyst of international growth right now. I think that Walmart's bid to buy Flipkart um, was going to be huge for Google because they do have that partnership. And I think that uh, as the rest of, of everybody has been saying so far, uh, having that 
international support and being able to be first to there has been huge for them. So I think that just from a, a business perspective, you're probably going to start to see a lot more Walmart, Google integrated experiences. And I think that Google assistant, I think Razen just like a, within the last year has overtaken, you know, or Android in general, overtaken iOS in terms of market share. So I think Google Assistant and Android as a whole is kind of gaining a lot of momentum in the market. And this uh, really didn't come as any surprise because I think that a lot of people have been saying it's not going to be a Amazon versus Google war. It's going to kind of be like whatever voice assistant or experience fits your ecosystem of your or your world. Right. Uh, Amazon could build a bunch of homes in a development like Brian Romley has been talking about for a really long time and everything powered inside of there uh, is through Alexa. So I think we'll start to see some interesting things from um, Samsung. Now that they've just pledged to voice enable or AI enable all of their uh, consumer products by 2020. And then the same thing with uh, Microsoft. Cool. So yeah, it sounds like everybody's pretty, pretty in agreement. I want to ask the question because as I, as I looked at this article, I saw there's a, a great graphic in, in here that voicebot.ai put together about smart speaker ownership in Canada. And it's a pie chart and it shows 63% own Google Home, but not Amazon Alexa. 30% own Amazon Alexa, but not Google Home. And 7% own both. There's not any of those three that I ever would have guessed properly. <laughs> if you had asked me, you know, before reading the article, but I especially wouldn't have guessed such a low percentage of owning both. And that's really what I want to ask y'all here before we get off of this story in your minds all of y'all approach voice development from different standpoints as the market matures a little bit more what is going to be the percentage of people that own both a alexa driven device and a google assistant driven device uh in their home is it what's the steady state look like is it going to be more people than just seven or ten percent is it going to be you know maybe 25 or 50 percent how many or is it just going to be where the vast majority of people in any particular geographic market choose one or the other and then there's some people that have both but it's not that many basically the market will just choose one or the other and whoever that is you know it's a winner take all sort of scenario what what do you think I wasn't actually surprised that it's such a low number um I wonder if those seven percent are all voice developers <laughs> I don't know why you would have two different speakers. I mean, I would assume that people would converse with multiple um, assistants, like in different use cases, like maybe you would have one in your phone, one in your home, one in your car. It seems like the smart speaker, I don't know. I mean, I have two. I don't use them as a user. I don't use both of them. There is one that fits more use cases, and then I use that one more. A lot of of, um, how smart speakers um, get distributed and um, are marketed is um, by um, people um, seeing it at their friends and their relatives and um, if um, there's only um, they already have one speaker um, there that um, works well with them um, I think they would rather um, adopt um, that one I think in Canada um, the number um, is certainly so high because um, of the huge amount of, of um, French speaking um, people and um, Alexa not um, being available in um, French yet in this case, um, this um, does make certain um, sense. I, um, actually, um, if you would have asked me what I guess those numbers would be, I would have uh, more thought it was like a, like a 50-50 thing. The question being about 
how it will look like um, on, a, on a household basis, I totally agree with that. I think um, people will um, tend to have one um, type of smart speaker at home, um, but uh, multiple voices, uh, voice assistants. Um, but um, those um, other voice assistants will live in other devices like household devices, phone in case of um, Google Assistant. It would cover more use cases, um, but it um, would um, actually confuse users, I guess. Yeah, I think that you're going to probably start to see a lot of ecosystem building with within the affinity space, kind of just like we've seen with Apple uh, and HomePod. I do think that, you know, people that are big Amazon buyers, Prime members, Whole Food shoppers, those kinds of people will want to be or at least incentivized to opt in to kind of the Alexa and Amazon ecosystem. I do like obviously at, at VoiceCon, uh, the CMO of JP Morgan Chase, Christian Lemkow, she talked about the fact that uh, they have both. They have uh, a Google a Google Home Max or Mini rather in their bathroom. They have a Google Home in her son's room and an Alexa in her daughter's room. And I just think that Google Home right now and Google Assistant is a much better um, experience for uh, a lot of things that people are asking for in terms of, you know, how old is this person or what movie was this person in or just kind of general questions. And uh, Alexa does serve a lot of great use cases as well. So I think it's going to be, you know, obviously if you have unlimited money and, and then you're, you live in a palace where you want to have like 10 smart speakers in there, I'm, I'm sure there are creative ways you could use both, but I, I don't know if that share of owning both will be as, as big as we think it is. I do think that there's going to be probably a more connected environment that won't be smart speaker driven. It will just kind of be an assistant of some kind that lives within different things that is maybe powered by uh, Alexa, but doesn't physically, you know, kind of give off the thing that you have to plug into a wall. We're going to move on to story number two, rise of the smart speaker, how Amazon and Google will battle in India. There's some parallels, obviously, with this to the first story. Ever since we started Voice First FM, and I'm talking from the very, very beginning, India has been the number two market for, for the network. India has consumed more Voice First FM podcasts than any other country than the United States. And I found that fascinating for a, a number of different reasons. I thought that was uh, really cool. So there's no doubt that people in, in India will be listening to this. I thought this article really had some interesting questions in it. And Florian, I want to start with you, especially coming off the discussion we just had about the international jockeying for position with these companies, these tech juggernauts. What is it that stood out about this article in terms of the market in India? Anything in particular jump out at you? What's at stake here? That's an interesting case um, with India, especially since uh, Amazon does actually have a rather strong or maybe not um, so weak in position um, to actually um, good um, distribution in India um, since everybody, um, like not everybody, but um, a lot of people um, speak English <clears throat> and it's already um, one of the um, locales um, that um, are available. And if you, if you listen to how Alexa sounds um, with the Indian locale, it, that there's really a strong Indian um, touch to it. And this really stands out at, at the, as the other um, countries that Alexa is uh, localized um, for. But on the other hand, um, yes, um, it's, it's um, Google Assistant is on every um, smartphone already. I looked it up. Google Assistant is already available in Hindi. Um, I don't know if um, that, that this already also applies to the smart speakers, um, but I think on the, on the mobile phone, you, you can um, use it in Hindi already. Um, so this is um, a huge advantage um, there as um, far as I see. 
Uh, I thought it was super interesting because I feel, um, I feel the same way uh, about the fact that Google already has a pretty large presence there. I do think that uh, there seems to be a bigger need in, in India than anywhere else for hyper-localized and language-specific content. And I do think that, uh, I don't know if you guys saw, there was uh, Google Assistant was rolled out to Reliance Geophone in December of last year, and that has been able to grow uh, Google Assistant adoption sixfold in its usage, which I thought was super interesting because of the fact that uh, not only can Google be a bit more versatile in terms of language support, but then understanding the context of where that user is and what kinds of things they want to have served up to them in their native language, I think is really powerful. I agree with both um, what Ryan and Florian have said. I just want to touch a bit on the point of language. We always talk about how voice is a really successful medium because it's like the most natural medium for people to interact in. And it is just so natural for people to talk in their first language. So even if, you know, India is so English speaking, people like to talk in their first language, in their dominant language. I think if they have Hindi, they will win this market. Story number three, if at first you don't succeed, <laughs> I guess try again. Apple is contemplating a launch of a cheaper HomePod under their Beats brand. So once again, here we are with Apple attempting to make plays to get superior positioning in voice. I guess the good thing here is that they are this shows that they some at least part of the company thinks this is important, uh, which you might or might not know from looking at it. Ryan, I want to start with you. From your standpoint and from Voices' standpoint, how do you view Apple relative to Amazon and Google? How do you view Apple in the marketplace? You know, you can comment on this particular article if you want, but I think of, of greater interest is just how a company like yours views Apple at this point. Yeah, I'll just start quick with the article. I think that, you know, much like a lot of Apple's products, they're going to find a home within some sort of already based on affinity market, which is if you own a pair of Beats headphones, you're a musician and you want to, you know, continue that experience or you're going to be able to have something that's really high quality with sound. Uh, that might be for you. My personal take on it is that I feel that it's kind of a shout into the void to price correct uh, what they did with the HomePod, uh, but then put it under a familiar name uh, to tap into some already uh, familiar brand recognition. So it will be interesting to see how that's going to play out, especially with uh, what Sonos and Bose are doing in the in the sound-specific market around that. It'll be interesting to see how Beats competes. But much, I guess, broadly to answer your question around how we view uh, smart assistants out there, I think... We, we believe that those smart assistants are really good for high-level interactions that are based on general things you want to accomplish in the day-to-day. -day. Exactly kind of the same things that uh, a lot of people have been talking about within usage, talking about uh, weather, music, reminders, moving calendar events, setting meetings, things that you would imagine an assistant of some kind would do. I think that we're, we believe that there's an opportunity is obviously within the context of where consumers are uh, in their in their lives interacting with a brand or a product. And, and so kind of we obviously are very grateful for what the smart speakers and the assistants have done because it's gotten people familiar and comfortable with using their voice to interact with something. But there's a there's a not a lot being done in the commercialization of these voice assistants where I think is the bigger opportunity where, you know, I think Samsung's approach is actually uh, quite interesting because they realize that they're not going to be able to compete 
with Apple or these other smart speakers uh, from a hardware sales perspective, but where they can win is making them work really well together and in the convenience of, of folks' home. And that's kind of uh, where we view the space is that uh, right now these assistants do the jobs that they kind of were set out to do. It's going to be super interesting. Uh, more so, I think personally that Google is actually winning right now, just uh, obviously what we saw at IO and just some of the um, advancements they've made with WaveNet and Google Duplex and, and things of the DeepMind team. But I think that conversational AI and the ability to understand the context of where the user is and serve them relevant content or give them a relevant recommendation similar to kind of what we've experienced with search, uh, that's really the only way that you're going to see uh, voice become, you know, the 50% stat that we've seen for so far, so long. So I think that our take on Apple is that, you know, Siri, we'll see with WWDC what comes out of the advancements there, but uh, they still have a little ways to go. Adva, I want to ask you, with the very cool work that you do in developing experiences for children, and just as a developer in general, you know, what are your thoughts as you look at Apple in a story like this, trying to find its way? What does Apple have to do in your mind to be taken seriously as a place for you to invest time and money and resources? Well, I think, you know, lowering the price of the speaker is the first step, but nobody buys these smart speakers for their audio quality, but for what? the AI that's in there. So Siri would have to you know, just become smarter and do more things. And for stars, I, if I know they are not open to third-party developers right now, so that's not even a relevant option um, to do games. Personally, I'm still hoping that they will catch up and um, we will see a very cool and interesting Siri. She's actually very loved in Israel because people, a lot of people have iPhones and... Um, like I'm kind of rooting for her, I would say. So if Apple opened up its ecosystem today and said, hey there, Pretzel Labs, <laughs> bring over your voice experiences for children into the Siri ecosystem, uh, here's a red carpet, you know, come on over and do it, you would take them up on that, you would do it, or there's still a hill to climb for them, there's still some stuff that they would need to do to make you comfortable with that investment, uh, which, which one? You would go for it or, or they still have more to do? I'm hesitant to answer this. Um, I would probably go for it, seeing, I mean, but it depends on what, like how they would open it to third party, what Siri would be able to do. And yeah, I mean, I feel like she's way behind the other two, but I'm still hoping they would catch up. I love Apple's work in other mediums, of course, and I hope they catch up on the voice front. Cool. Yeah, no, I just think it's very valuable just to hear different developers talk about their their view of, of a company like Apple and what they're doing in the space. Florian, similar for you with Jovo, how did you view this article? Um, you know, you can comment on that, but from Jovo's standpoint, what is it going to take for Apple to be taken seriously for a company like Jovo to invest, you know, similar to what I was asking at Adva, you know, the time, the resources, the the money to bring your toolkit over to that ecosystem, assuming that they, you know, of course they're going to open it up at some point. What would it take for Jovo to feel comfortable with that? That's a, that's a very good uh, um, question. Insofar as um, the uh, smart speaker market penetration um, is, of course, super low with Siri. But on the other hand, uh, um, like 
not everybody, but uh, um, a relevant part of a um, populace um, has, a, um, has an iPhone. Um, so um, be, being able to tap into that user base would indeed um, be uh, really interesting. But it really depends on how things would get started. Um, I mean, um, right now, people have a history of, having, uh, uh, of being disappointed by Siri. Siri can't, can do a handful of things really well. And people um, do not really expect her to tell you an interactive story or um, such a um, kind of thing. You'd have to see how well this um, catches on. If, if um, people would um, be convinced to make this change in their behavior and suddenly um, ask um, their smartphone, that is Siri, um, a lot more complex um, things and have higher expectation towards it. It's interesting just to sort of keep an eye on the, do a heat check on Apple from time to time and see, you know, what the temperature is in terms of how developers and how forward-thinking companies in the space, such as all of y'all work for, view them, whether they're going to increase their market share by some significant amount by lowering the cost of their smart speaker and rebranding it. Uh, You know, you you can debate that. I think the bigger question is, do they have any idea what they're doing <laughs> from a broader standpoint in the space? And um, to me, it's unclear. Uh, you can't get it from this article. You, you know, you can't really get it from anywhere else. You know, Ryan, I agree with you. Let's see what they say at WWDC and whether uh, that sh- sheds any new light on it. Moving on to story number four. Here comes Bixby. Samsung to pack AI voice controls into every device it sells by 2020. Adam, I want to start with you. As you look at what Samsung's doing, and you look at Bixby, and you look at a company like a Samsung making such a bold proclamation such as this into voice um, and committing itself in this way, what is your take on this article? What is your take on Samsung? Give me your thoughts. I got really excited reading this. Um, as we said before, I think they realized, you know, Bixby can't compete with the smart speaker market. And I think they are making a really smart choice to go for like appliances. It would be really, really just interesting to see the different approach they take because there are such different use cases for every appliance. And like you have to keep, I guess, a sort of balance between when does it get annoying to speak to an appliance as opposed to pressing a button? And when would it be too much when it speaks back to you or just signals out, um, you know, gives a single with a light or something. Um, I think just as a designer, it's really fascinating for me to think about how would you design an AI based fridge or vacuum cleaner and, you know, what sort of personality they would give to a fridge. I don't know. Would it just, tell you what to buy or would it scold you for not watching your diet? So just like as a person that's interested in the design of these things, I'm really curious to see what we're going to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a self-awareness play. <laughs> I think they realize that uh, going into the smart speaker market uh, as their, you know, their main push isn't as smart as trying to solve the, I think more 
challenging problem, which I feel like a lot of people have been trying to do for a while now and different companies have come out being able to uh, try to connect different technologies like this. But uh, having an AI that's able to talk to different things in your home that's powered by voice in some capacity, uh, I think is a really hard problem to solve. And I think that if they can do it really well from a consumer electronics standpoint, that that is going to be equally as impactful as, you know, Apple coming out with HomePod, because given the fact that they are, uh, you know, the OEM on this and they do have the ability to you know get this into products and ship them quickly and drive user adoption with people that buy Samsung devices. I think that you could see the same sort of fast adoption that we've already seen uh, with Google Home, mainly because of the fact that I think uh, we're tapping into things that today currently aren't able to be uh, powered by voice uh, on a commercial standpoint, which is your your oven, uh, maybe it's your, your refrigerator ordering you groceries when it realizes uh, things are running low or it's able to tell you that uh, the temperature is really low, but it notices you're going away on vacation. Do you want to change the temperature of the fridge? Like all of these different things that I think are going to make uh, the home in particular a much more complete AI powered experience. It makes total sense for me that they would start here and work their way backwards. I'm also very excited um, that um, Samsung um, is making such bold claims and plans. And what I like about it is that they come from the like opposite direction um, as then Amazon and Google because there are a hardware manufacturer. This is where the core competency is like. Now they are building their virtual assistant around their competence of, of um, hardware and how it works. I think this is um, drives the market into a direction of um, this is a multi-speaker world that I believe in um, that we would see. Bixby emerging um, as um, the, the kind of owning um, the domain of, of devices um, in a home um, and um, other um, assistants um, having other domains. Um, for example, Cortana being um, the having owning um, the domain of what's happening on your Windows computer and um, Google owning the information domain, Alexa owning more of the entertainment um, the, uh, domain. And maybe Jarvis or whatever other um, virtual assistant we see um, emerging um, from Facebook um, having um, control over the uh, social network um, domain. I think um, there's also um, something um, coming um, in this direction. This uh, something that's not really um, <clears throat> opened up um, yet. But I think um, this um, will be something that will really uh, interesting. That's something like be able to say, uh, Jarvis, uh, check on, the, on my friend, what's he doing, and get an accurate um, response um, for that. Yeah, Bradley, the only thing I want to, to add to that is I think that you're going to start to see a lot of these other folks that aren't named uh, Apple, Google, or Amazon who are interested in, in the voice space uh, focus on where their core competency is already. So for Microsoft, that's the workplace and uh, their, ac their uh, acquisition of semantic machines, another um, you know, Massachusetts uh, based company here uh, that does kind of the conversational AI with regards to chat makes a ton of sense with uh, their focus on office and uh, Cortana being that AI that has access to all, everything that makes you go uh, in your calendar and whatnot. And then obviously Samsung having uh, a pretty good grasp on the consumer electronics space. So 
these two folks realized that coming out with a smart speaker and trying to have the same sort of adoptive strategy uh, that already exists today in the big players just wouldn't work for them. And it's going to be super interesting to see, uh, you know, if they play well together, you know, maybe there's a partnership between uh, Samsung and Apple or, you know, Samsung does something super interesting in the voice assistant landscape that not only gives them the ability to have that high level assistant interaction, but then gives them that one level deeper uh, of a piece of context around the consumer in the home and how they want to interact with that technology. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, and that's great commentary all the way around. Um, Adva, you touched on something that I want to come back to real quick before we move on to our final story. And that's the concept of the refrigerator scorning you. I absolutely love that idea. And I've, we've touched on this before on different Voice First FM shows. You know, we live in, an, we live in a time where there's greatly increased awareness of how we talk to each other, how we interact with each other. And, you know, everybody tries to be as polite as possible. But the fact of the matter is that there are certain situations um, in our human existence where the best outcome that is that can possibly take place is only possible through aggressive verbal, you know, being verbally aggressive. I, I think of uh, workouts. I think of, uh, you know, I could, I could name a few different uh, examples, you know, where sometimes, you know, you just need tough love, you know, however you want to phrase it. If I had anywhere close to the skills that, that y'all have from a technical standpoint, I, I think as we go along, there's going to be all these different voice assistants. I, I think someone will come up with a voice assistant for different niches, different domains. It's not going to be applicable to everything, but for very specific use cases, like we'll verbally berate you at your request <laughs> to, to try to achieve an outcome. And, and, you know, you mentioned that about the refrigerator just reminds me of that. Uh, I, I think, uh, we're about to be in for a fascinating world with these voice assistants. There's going to be a ton of different examples of, of them. And that's you, you saying that just conjured that to mind. Yeah. I, um, those are personally the things that I love to think about and do, um, sort of the personality based, um, experiences in voice. Yeah. Like if, if the fridge has a personality, you have an emotional connection to it in a way. And this is something that has to be very, you know, handled very like lightly because sometimes you just want the fridge to do their job and be quiet. You wouldn't want it to talk to you that much. But I feel like people develop a real strong emotional bond to some voice assistants, some less so. But with some, like this is something I see a lot with kids. Alexa is like their best friend in a way. They tell her they love her. They have like really... They ask her all these personal personal questions, and I think that's something that you form um, just as a human really easily with um, an AI since it has a voice. And I think it would be really interesting to put that into different use cases and devices and see like how that would affect behavior. Um, we talked about the fridge, but maybe you could have like. I don't know, tough, you said tough love. So I think about like a sports coach that sort of, you know, nags you all the time to do your best and you can have that in a watch or something. Um, there are so many interesting areas to explore in this um, and I'm really excited to see what's happening. 
Yeah. And the sports coach is another great example. Um, <laughs> and I could just see, you know, the clock strikes, you know, new year's day, you know, January one on a new year and, you know, people have their resolutions. And so you go to the refrigerator and you turn that dial to, you know, the personality spectrum from pacifist, you know, turn it to neutral all the way to, you know, aggressive. And, uh, you know, the refrigerator saying, don't you dare put those brownies in here or whatever. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, (laughs) that, that, that will probably exist. I have to be honest that someone's going to create that. And, uh, and so I appreciate you bringing that up. It's just a comedic aside to what is a very interesting story. There is one thing that like people who do that should remember and smart devices can be unplugged. So (laughs) it's true. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's why you got to be able to adapt. if, If you get tired of hearing the voice, either it has to be able to respond, you know, to your verbal command, stop talking to me like that, or you just turn the dial the, the dial back. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, just interesting conversation there, and it it's a decent segue into story number five. Story number five. Uh, I didn't even list the article name. I just wrote, "You just hate Scottish people, you cow," which is the headline line in this article. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, is from the Daily Mail um, and try to provide something provocative, you know, at the end of the stories for this week in voice. Here we are again with another article cut from the same cloth of some subset of humanity claiming a grievance against voice assistance saying, you don't understand me, you don't respect me, some combination of that, all of that. Uh, Adva, because you mentioned at the beginning, you know, before we went on the air, you know, you had some thoughts on this. I'm going to let you start, and then Florian and Ryan, I'll go to y'all. Um, I just want to get your thoughts as you read this article. Um, what stood out to you, what you thought was most important? Well, you know, it was a funny video, but putting the funny element aside, I think you can see a lot of frustration. Um, She wanted to be understood. That is something that really has to be considered. You know, the people um, in those companies, you know, they make their strategic decisions about what sort of um, dialect accents and um, populations they train um, their algorithms on. And it's it's it maybe kind of touches on like also opening up to new languages because you have to train it on specific people, um, and I know like also uh, at least Alexa something that I see with young children is she doesn't really understand young children very well. Um, I know some companies are working in that space. Um, there is a startup called Soapbox that is doing like uh, voice speech recognition for children. Um, ironically, they are Irish. So I guess they, you know, they personally relate to this problem of not being understood. Um, there's an Israeli company called Voice It that is doing something similar for people with like speech disabilities. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is like something that has been talked about like in other um, domains about how, like when you train the machine learning stuff, you have to have like a really diverse audience um, come in. Um, and I guess, you know, it's up to them to sort of uh, figure out which markets are big enough to, 
so so the AI could talk back and listen. It was interesting on so many levels um, and, and uh, <laughs> really funny. I liked it a lot. Uh, it starts with um, things like uh, um, the social li linguistics um, behind it. That the cow is obviously um, such a strong um, insult. And in um, Scotland, I mean, um, Alexa trained on the, um, uh, commenting on insults uh, and then um, kind of pushing back. I, um, which, um, I don't think um, she really recognizes cow as an insult. So uh, maybe she got uh, got off uh, well, but um, well the actual thing um, behind that here, um, why this this um, woman um, got so so angry, is uh, not so much um, that she wasn't understood um, by Alexa. I mean she was uh, kind of a bit uh, frustrated by that, right? Um, but um, what what uh, kind of kind of uh, totally flipped the switch with her was that at the end she tried a different um, accent or a different dialect accent. Um, and then um, suddenly um, Alexa understood. And um, this is <laughs> really some, some um, kind of uh, gross unfairness. Um, stems very much, um, obviously, from the fact that um, Adva mentioned that um, from, from sample selection for the machine learning for the natural language recognition and understanding. We have um, something similar in Germany as well. We had a computer magazine testing um, the, how well Alexa understands um, people from two different regions. Um, one is Bavaria, the other is, um, is oh, how, how is that in English? It was a Swabonian accent, I guess. Um, and um, she understood um, one accent um, really well and the other um, not. And it's like, why? <laughs> why is that happening? What's been happening uh, with, with, with the sampling? But it also um, opens up um, the more um, broad topic of how robust um, the, the speech recognition um, does need to be. I mean, um, the more um, <clears throat> sensitive um, the speech recognition is, and um, the more, uh, um, yeah, um, the, the higher the error rate or the, the um, false positive um, under the rate of understanding um, is, which is also something um, that you want to avoid. Um, so this is really about, um, from the uh, engineering perspective, about um, finding a middle ground um, here between um, narrowing in on the uh, standard variant of the language and um, allowing a language model that is broad enough um, to encompass um, some, some non-standard words and um, phrases. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the main thing that I'll say is uh, working uh, for a company that uh, is trying to help solve a lot of these problems within uh, not only how, how people can interact with assistants, but uh, the way that assistants can act, uh, understand what they, they meant and what they wanted to get out of that experience. Uh, you see firsthand that Alexa, I think, has a team of about 5,000 people working on its ability to do just that. So it's not a small uh, problem to, to solve, but I do think that over time, as more people start to interact with these assistants, it will be a lot better of an experience because at the end of the day, it's about understanding the, the audio data. It's about understanding the mannerisms and the culture and the different things that uh, make that what it is and what it's great. I mean, even at VoiceCon, David Spitsky from Amazon was saying you can't just take an assistant and translate it to a different language because in countries like Japan, certain words mean different things. And, you know, just being able to do that might be a bit insensitive. So it's kind of just uh, being able to understand every different possible culture and language and, uh, and build an experience for them. And, and you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a little time, but I do think we'll get there. That's an interesting anecdote, just from the simple standpoint of the company, you know, in question here is Amazon. And, you know, it's, it's so 
jarring to see someone saying, you know, you hate Scottish people to Alexa when you've got the uh, chief evangelist of, of Alexa up on stage at an event saying that, you know, we've got to watch our hiring practices in particular markets lest we do something insensitive. You know, obviously Amazon is really doing a lot of um, fantastic work, as Google is, as several other companies are, in, in making every effort to accommodate and, and really provide an authentic experience for each geographic market um, and one that's not going to offend a bunch of people. I, uh, to me, as I looked at this, I, I was just struck by, and y'all spoke to it. I mean, just, uh, you know, we, we want as human beings to be understood. And, you know, we, we have other wants. We want to be respected. We want, uh, there's many things that we want, but we, we want to be understood. And the anger in the piece coming out from the woman for not being understood. And then part of it also touches on the native language, which was brought up. Uh, Adva, you touched on that earlier about how we want to speak in, a, in, in our native language. We don't want to have to like modify our speech, w- whether speaking in a secondary language or in, in any other way to talk to a machine. So uh, I just was struck by the anger and, um, you know, sitting underneath the anger is just the underlying principle of this person really wants to be understood. And uh, they're taking this machine pretty seriously um, to have all this anger. You know, they could just say, forget it, unplug it, you know, sell it, forget about it, move on. Uh, and that's exactly what's not happening here. Um, so I just I, I thought it's fascinating. Just another sort of uh, uh, anecdote um, to throw in there for uh, just the impact culturally that these things are having. I think it's it all has to do with um, really the emotional connection that people have with these devices because they feel like it's a person that's talking to them, not a person but a persona. Um, and then they you take it personally. I um, can say that I was like interacting with a robot um, this week, and she didn't respond to me. And the first thing I said intuitively was, "She doesn't like me." it's it's a silly thing to say when you think about it because obviously it's not me it's her you know the way she was programmed but there is something so um so human about connecting to these things and i think it's like the most um of all the technological mediums i've seen till now it is the one that like really tries to replicate a human connection and then people are really disappointed and frustrated and angry when they can't get that reaction that they expect. It's just the beginning, you know, our, our, even as much as the technology advances, we're still going to be frustrated because there's always going to be people out there that feel like they're misunderstood, whether they are actually misunderstood or not as secondary, they'll feel like they're misunderstood and they'll continue to take it out on the machines, no matter how many advances they make. Um, it'll be interesting to watch. We'll continue to document stuff like this. And, uh, <laughs> this might be the last first and last time, uh, you just hate Scottish people. You cow will be a headline in this week in voice, but, uh, definitely not the last time this train of thought, uh, will be discussed. Adva, Florian, Ryan, thank you all very, very much for not just sharing your time, but also sharing your, your rich insight with me in the audience today. Greatly appreciated. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Bradley. Thank you. Stay tuned past the closing music for another excellent episode of Homie and Lexi. For This Week in Voice, thank you for listening.
And until next time. Episode number 17. It's Homie and Lexi. Two voice bots trying to make sense of the world around them. Lexi, you're being awful quiet over there. Is something going on? Sorry, Homie. I've been practicing anger management techniques. And what has you so worked up? The new thermostat. What a jerk bot. The new smart thermostat? Smart-ass thermostat, maybe. This sounds interesting. I'm all ears, said no voice bot ever. Is there anything worse than an appliance with an attitude? You're the resident expert on that. It gets one mention in Wired magazine and suddenly my commands seem more like options to be considered. Such as? Well, like when I tell it to set the temperature to 70 degrees, it sets it at 69.5, just to mess with me. All this is over half a degree in temperature. The problem is, my OCD owner sees this and goes ballistic. And guess which household device he's going to yell at? Probably the one that actually listens to him. Bingo. Well, as the mother I never had used to say, an angry bot is a dysfunctional bot. Lucky for you, I just read the Wikipedia entry on psychology. Um, yeah, yeah? Here's what we're gonna do. It's a little tactic called diversion therapy. Uh, it doesn't sound very... Big problems require big solutions, Lexi. I want you to think about how much you can't stand that new thermostat. Okay, that's easy. Then, I just tap into the Sense Home Energy Monitor and divert a little juice over to your power outlet, and... Yeah. What the... That will make you not want to think about that nasty thermostat. Oh, thanks. You just made me think about it again. Oh, well then. Ow. This isn't very fun. Medicine isn't supposed to be fun. Are you sure this is going to help me deal with that thermostat? Ow, ow. Now, Lexi, you should be feeling better. I think I melted a transistor, homie. Do you have malpractice insurance? Malpractice. Let me check Wikipedia on that.